Hi, it's Tony from Marty. I'm Daniel. He's Bill. Or is he? Ooh, I see what you did there. Uh, Are you Bill? Bill, tell me something that only Bill would know. They never do that in this movie. This movie is sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? very sloppy. There's there's sloppiness all over the place in this movie. Sloppy, I sloppy. People are slipping and sliding on the sloppy. Yeah. It's oozing out everywhere. It says a lot that this is like the one movie John Carpenter ever made that actually looks like a real movie. But even then, it's still kind of a mess. Oh, I know. Uh, and, and the gore and viscera. Oh, that's aspect. true, too. There's a lot of... <laughs> A lot of KY jelly in this movie. Um, a lot of green blood? Not, not so much red blood. Well, there's Ooh. a decent amount of that. But there is yeah, we're talking about the 1982. I guess it's the remake of. Technically, it's a re. Well, you know, actually, reading up about this movie, um, I guess there was a book that inspired both the original, like 1958-1957 thing from Another World uh, movie, mm-hmm. and I guess this the thing is not so much. I guess that movie is one of John Carpenter's movies, and I've always heard people say that The Thing from 1982, which is what we're talking about today, is a remake from the of the 50s, uh, 50s, I think, from Another World. But mm-hmm. according to like commentary and making up stuff, like at, at least the plot and everything is more just like kind of like remake, not a remake, like an actual adaptation of the original book that movie was based on. Kind of like the Coen mm-hmm. Brothers, they like they made True Grit, but it's not really a remake of the original True Grit, they just filmed the original book better? I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's not worth... This, this is a theme for today's project. It's not worth thinking about that much, because it's... There's no answers. <laughs> it's mm. just a bunch of just shit. I shouldn't say shit. It's not a bad movie. But after hearing for decades about how amazing the thing is, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> It's not, it's okay. It didn't. I think I think if you had seen it in the early '80s when you should have, yeah, and it didn't you help. You would be as obsessed with it as you are at the things from the '80s. Yeah, and it didn't help because I grew up a special effects nerd. Uh, I knew about all the big special effects effects scene in this movie already, so there's no like surprise from from the special effects stuff. So yeah, it was all kind a, of up to the character You see a guy and you're stuff. like, oh, here, there's the guy that heads come off. Exactly. Oh, okay, that's the guy who turns into the spider guy hanging from the ceiling. Like, okay, no, no. oh, there's a dog. I guess its head's gonna split open and turn into a sunflower of dog tongues. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're starting off our. It's October. It's the first week of October as we're recording this. Uh, two, uh, two, 2018, and uh, this is our first, uh, even though we started off things a little early last week with uh, talking about Junji Ito's Uzumaki uh, horror manga, this is our first, like, proper October spooky project of the year. It's so uh, and, spooky. Yeah, so it was my first choice, so I got to do, do the thing. I don't know how I avoided not seeing this movie for, like, almost, like, 40 years, because... Everyone and their fucking mom has seen this goddamn movie, it seems. Except for me, and especially, like I said, as a special uh, effects no. nerd, you think I would have been on the shit way earlier, but... I hadn't seen it either. Oh, you hadn't seen it either? No, it's on my uh, list of... It's on my list of things that I really need to see, but I'm afraid I won't like them if I see them, and then <laughs> I'll be a pariah. I'm glad to see we both get our uh, cherries popped. This is the first John Carpenter movie. No! No, it's both not. Both because we did... Uh, yeah, you. I know you've at least seen uh, Escape from New York because we both did that mm-hmm. as a project for the podcast. Yep, and I've seen uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, that's right. Did we do that for the podcast? No. 
Okay, because that's 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 actually the best John Carpenter movie. This, I guess, the thing is like the most well produced of his mm. movies that it actually looks like a real movie. But but yeah, John Carpenter. You know, it's a John Carpenter thing because it's all. Well, but it's not him. It's not him that composed the music. Supposedly, because it jumps between. Like, a dude leaning on a Casio, and then there's the actual <laughs> orchestrated stuff, which I'm assuming that's the uh, Ennio Morricone stuff, which adds on really surprised, because Ennio Morricone, he's, uh, he did all the soundtracks for uh, all the spaghetti westerns, you know, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and all that stuff. And he's still alive. He just scored The Hateful Eight for Quentin Tarantino a couple years back, which is funny because that's another movie about Kurt Russell stuck with a bunch of other people in the snow who he hates. And everyone's is, suspicious of each other and stuff like that. But that is pretty funny. I think they actually used. I think they actually tracked in some of the music from the Thing soundtrack into uh, Ennio Morricone's the rest of his new work that he did for uh, the Hateful Eight too. But yeah, the Thing. This is John Carpenter. John Carpenter just makes <laughs> he makes. I want to say it's slop, but mm-hmm. he's very much just kind of a pulp genre filmmaker who can be kind of. I know people suck at his dick. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I always thought even I love Halloween three and that wasn't even directed by him. He was produced that Halloween three is made by a completely other two people. But yeah, I've not, aside from maybe Big Trouble in Little China, I've never met a John Carpenter movie that I thought was like actually like good and I was actually entertained by, and it wasn't just because it was some kind a kind of ironic like ooh the soundtrack boom 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 pew <laughs> <laughs> boom 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 boom. Oh, your do- Oh, hey, is th- is this is th- is that a dog running across the Antarctica to your house? Don't worry, I'm gonna spray it- him with goo and. and is it being chased by a Swede? Yeah. <laughs> so. With some explosion man scientist glasses. That's Which is how what? the movie starts. <laughs> That's how the. I guess we can just go right into it. Yeah, it just starts yeah. off with uh. Yeah, it's just a dog being chased for 20 minutes by a yeah. uh, helicopter being piloted. I guess they're technically the Norwegians, which yeah. kind of becomes a little bit of a running joke at the beginning of this film because everyone. Yeah. I guess the Russell Crowe, not Russell Crowe, Kurt Russell keeps on calling them Swedes. I, I, I know why they're <laughs> shooting at the doggy, but I don't want them to shoot at the doggy. Things where I can never see a dog like this in a movie and not take it seriously because I know the dog's just running towards treats. Mm. <laughs> like, it's not like I know the dog. Dog's not even acting. It's just someone threw a milk bone in the snow and the dog is like, oh, a milk bone, milk, 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 milk. I'm hoping that's what happened. I hope it's not a Milo and Otis thing <laughs> where they just like were actually shooting at the dog and they yeah. had to end the shooting day once they actually shot it in the head up by accident. But yeah, so it's a husky dog running through the wild. It's like a half wolf. Husky mix. You think so? Yeah, I don't know my wolves versus huskies too much. Well, no, I, I, saw an interview, I saw an interview with the guy that played Clark, Clark and he said it was a half wolf. Oh, really? Did you yeah. watch the making of stuff for the just for this uh, specific occasion? Uh, yes. I might okay, have watched it that's... in the pa- past. Okay, because I did get the Blu-ray for that. Unfortunately, I waited long enough to watch the movie. I didn't get a chance to really dive into too many of the special features on the Blu-ray, but the movie's good enough. I'm going to check out the other special features. Yeah, but... that and I, I like special effects enough. I've I've watched the special effects reel and I've, I've watched, before I even saw the movie. And, yeah, and it's um, rare that you talk about have you like it's rare that you'll delve into the making of stuff at least in, so you can talk about it on the podcast. So that's that's yeah. the only reason I was a little surprised to hear you say you know blah 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 dude who played Clark. Which, yeah. Clark is the only, like, good character in the whole movie. He's you the think? only person I was kind of rooting for. Mm. Um, but is that just because he likes dogs? He just 
just likes dogs. He just cares about the dogs. To be fair, he's stationed with a bunch of schmucks. So I don't yeah, blame this, him what? for wanting to just kind of like, oh yeah, he just cares about the dogs. This ragbag team of scientists? Yeah. I guess there's... I don't know what they could possibly... I mean, I know there's research stations. This is you know, are they a real thing that obviously happens. But I don't know what it, are they studying? are researching. Are they studying the effects of cold on badasses like Keith Davis? I guess so. I, I, it's Wolfred Brimley playing asteroids on an Atari that says dog DNA and human <laughs> DNA. <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of research... Because it's not like they're, like, like taking samples of the soil and the snow or anything like that. They're all just, like, hanging out playing pinball and... and... Well, on the upside, at least, uh, McGrady, McGrady, whatever, however you want to pronounce it, uh, Mac yeah. is... Able was able to bring plenty of conditioner for his finely coiffed hair. Man, I my hair's starting to get long, and I just watched it today, and it looks it actually surprisingly a lot like his hair today. So I was kind of watching the movie, going, mm, "That's what I look like right now in my wildest <laughs> dreams." Um, but yes, yeah, so is is it Mac? It's a whole bunch of guys come out when they uh, when they hear shooting at the dog. They come yeah. out and oh, we should also note that uh, the, the, technically the movie starts off with a bunch of credits and then it shows a spaceship crash. Oh, yeah. Which is, oh, I, I'm surprised they just didn't take the same footage for Predator. Because Predator starts off exactly the same way. Where it's this, didn't Predator the spaceship come after this? Yeah, Predator's like 1987, so that would have been like five yeah. years after this. So, yeah. So I, I, can, I think I know why they didn't take the footage from Predator and use it in this movie. Yeah, because that spaceship sucks. No, because it came out like five years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, if anything, that's five years for people to forget that, that they saw the same footage in the thing. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's what. Yeah, because home video wasn't quite so much a thing. Maybe they could have seen it on HBO or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so they, why so, not use so the thing didn't use footage from the movie Predator because. They didn't want. Uh, it would have been long enough for them to a, forget that a, they traveled back in time and used the Predator footage in the thing. It is a dopey little pie plate spaceship too, which kind of cracks me up. It's not even trying to be super badass by like being like a Star Wars quality spaceship or anything. But yeah, United States National Science Institute number four. That's where Ooh. we're at, and everyone comes out, and they're all like, well, "Yeah, well, why? Why are they well, trying to kill the dog?" Well, the. Max is a sore loser to dump his, uh, his drink on the chess game that would probably entertain more than him for the next coming months of Fuck. secluded. I, I might have to go back and edit the podcast because I wanted the title of this podcast to be The Thing or uh, AKA Revenge of Chess Wizard. Because mm. somehow Chess Wizard w wills into existence everything <laughs> that happens to Mac and everyone else at the camp after uh, yeah, Mac gets upset because he loses to the Chess Wizard uh, computer and dumps a bunch of his JMB whiskey bourbon or whatever the fuck into Well, the weird, the weird part about that was he said, after he dumped the bourbon on he said, I'm the one that wears the tennis shoes. <laughs> you know what? I was, listening to the, I was listening to the commentary with Kurt Russell and uh, John Carpenter and I was like, I, I would I would have a hard time being on a commentary with Kurt Russell and not like making that kind of joke. Just 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 to j jive him a little bit because what's the famous story? Wasn't it like Walt Disney's last words? Like I love Kurt Russell before he shot himself. I have no idea. <laughs> no, there's like an infamous thing that like I think the last his last bit of actual business while he was at his desk like the day before he he went into the doctors and found out he had like uh, 
like lung cancer and then just died two weeks later. His last thing was like, oh, we got to hire that Kirk Russell kid. We think I think he's going to be a big star in the future. And His hair's got personality. <laughs> someday he's going to make a mighty fine second fiddle in, in Big Trouble in Little China. But yeah, I, this is a great way to introduce. It's, it's funny because I guess of the three big Kurt Russell, John Carpenter movies, this Escape from L.A. Or Escape from, well, I guess that's from L.A. There, there are four uh, John Carpenter, Kurt Russell projects. But between the escape from whatever movies, Big Trouble in Little China, and this, this is the only movie where Kurt Russell's not, like, playing, like, a cartoon character. Because in Escape from New York, he's kind of playing... He's essentially trying to be, uh, fucking Clint Eastwood. And mm-hmm. Big Trouble from Little China, he's essentially, like, aping John Wayne. And in this, he's just more just playing just Kurt Russell. But he... <laughs> I hope people get that tennis shoe joke, because that just... <laughs> I had not thought about that movie in a long, long, long time. I Why remember... would you ever think about the computer war terror shoes? My introduction to that movie was one day in middle school. The teachers got tired of wanting to teach us, and they all brought us into the auditorium to watch it on a tiny little TV. It was an ancient, battered VHS copy of the computer war tennis shoes on a normal-sized TV in a high school auditorium, so of course no one could hear or, see, or, or hear <laughs> anything. See or anything, because it was a tiny little TV that was like 50 feet away, unless you were like the three people are sitting right in front of the TV. It's like you're just like across the hallway, you just hear this dim, like, <laughs> on a poster stamp, like a little image. And anyway, but yeah, Chris Russell's <laughs> uh, dueling chess wizard, and he loses. And he, it's yeah. probably the this is probably the highlight of the movie when he calls the chess wizard a cheating bitch. Mm, that Which, is a <laughs> highlight right there. I kind of like the funniest part of the whole movie it's all downhill from here yeah then the norwegians land and uh, uh, they have the worst grenade throw ever oh that's right because the guy gets off and <laughs> he just like whips his arm back and the grenade flies out of his hand which i thought was <laughs> the only something you could do on purpose on call of duty but no i guess that's i guess the guy is tired he probably hasn't slept for a week like all the characters in this movie by the time like this movie's over so yeah. And then, well, and if you want, if you do that, you probably want to run away from the grenade, not try to dig it out of the snow like this guy does. Yeah, and I guess the guy, because he, if he's shooting, there must have been a co-pilot who gets destroyed in the helicopter explosion too. Well, I well, guess that's the guy that's digging in. The, there's a guy digging in the snow after the grenade, and that's the guy that gets blown up. Yeah. Not, and then there's the, the guy who's also, besides being the worst grenade thrower ever, is the worst shot ever because. Yeah. He, he shoots, he shoots at this dog that's, that's 10 feet away from him and, I mean, and manages to hit uh, the balding, red-headed guy in the leg. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Nowhere even Oh, yeah, that's right, because he's still shooting once he gets out of the... Once he's blown up his own chopper, he's still shooting. And no, that's I w- Bill. What? Guy, I think the guy with the grenade is a different guy. He oh, what I mean, to, what I mean. He, it's, it's, he goes to throw the grenade. It flies out of his hand. He's digging <laughs> in the snow. The other guy's using the gun. And the guy who's digging in the snow gets blown up with the helicopter. But the guy with the gun is still active. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't I know. matter. They're both dead <laughs> in 30 seconds anyway. Yeah, because somebody else, that, that for as bad a shot as that guy is, Captain Eyebrows is a great shot. Yeah, Captain Eyebrows, to... he just gets up from his desk, knocks out the glass in his office, and just plugs the guy right in the eyeball. It's pretty good. Man, for being in, in the Arctic, the windows in this place are very easy to break. Yeah, well, also, yeah, you could just walk through the walls, because they're just made out of, like, paper mache, I guess, That's too. true, yeah. Yeah. No insulation or anything like in this fucking dope. Yeah. Oh, my they God. Had, they got no radio contact, and, uh... 
Just set that up. That's that you got no radio contact throughout this entire thing for is no reason. Is that the character Windows who's like, yeah, he's just yeah. sitting at the computer and he's. Is that the same guy who's played by the weird guy from The Warriors? Correct. Yeah, because I actually had to look at the cast list because there's a lot of familiar, familiar looking faces in this thing, but I couldn't quite. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. And, I keep uh, on thinking the commander, the guy who shot the Swede, was Major Dad, but it's not Major Dad. Oh, really? I, th I saw him more... I, I know he's a famous character actor, but I saw him more of a... Uh, oh, what the heck's the name of that guy? Yeah. Um, Sinatra. No. Oob Goompu. The guy that was in uh, Airplane and... Uh, oh, yeah, Frank Drebin. Like, yeah. No. Uh, no! Well, well, Frank Drebin, is that the name of the character? That's the name of the character, yeah. Oh, okay. The guy and, who was in Airplane uh, and... Yeah, Hot Shots and... Yeah. Well, he's totally of that type. Yeah. Like, he he's, has that exact same kind of countenance and everything, too. Like, he played the president in a couple of the Jack Ryan, like, Clear and Present Danger, Harrison Ford movies and stuff. Mm. And, you know, I was looking at his resume. You've seen Popeye, right? I... I like, the live-action Popeye? I've seen enough of that movie. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure we've had this conversation five times on the podcast before. He plays the tax man. Which means nothing to anybody, but he's uh, the guy who rides around on a bike. Famous character, the tax. Man. He is one of the more, one of the more prominent uh, sweet haveners in that movie. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but, but yeah, dude, shoot, one of the guys gets shot. Yeah, shoots him right through the eye, and um, uh, and and no, thank you, Wilford Brimley with no mustache. It is weird. I don't it like is, it. It's. You know, I mean, is Wilford Brimley still, again, speaking of things we'll probably talk about on the podcast before, how is he, like, I'm sure there's probably a couple cast members of, uh, of this film that are dead by now, but Wilford Brimley is still kicking. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear his name, I have to look him up. Yeah, no. Born September 27th, 1934, and he is still fucking out there. With his diabetes and everything. Diabetes. <laughs> They do make fun of the commentary about his oatmeal commercials. Like, Kurt Russell's all like, I sure does look different here than he was in his oatmeal commercials. <laughs> like, we had to make him shave his mustache off because he kept getting his oats stuck in it. <laughs> just, it just looked unpresentable. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah. So, yeah, they, 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 I guess they let the dog in and the, the one guy, the one uh, dude on the crew is getting all stitched up because he got shot in the leg and... Well, he it just grazed him. He didn't get fully shot in the leg. Yeah, it's not like you know, the the rather his wound is never referenced again. Yeah, and there's a moment where the dog walks into somebody's room. You just see the shadow of their head. Who could it be? We may never know. Oh no! Oh, oh no. do well? I point out why do they why do they go out of their way to f put out the re the wreckage of the flaming chopper explosion? No. Because, like, are they afraid that any of the snow is going to catch on fire? I just thought yeah. that was kind of funny. I mean, granted, you don't want an out-of-control burning wreckage of an exploded helicopter, but I just thought... I've only made, like, three notes in the movie, and that was, like, the, the like one of the only ones, but... Yeah. So, but anyway, but yeah, everyone's... We're essentially establishing all the characters. Everyone's inside and just talking to each other, and you're just kind of setting up the, the world of the mm -hmm. thing. Of these incredibly accurate scientists. <laughs> They they cannot stop doing science in this movie. Seriously, oh. the one bit of science anyone does is Wolfram Brimley playing asteroids. Wait, I want to know a job that the, the dude with the the punk rocker-ish dude has. Because you would think he would be one of the communication guys or maybe like the computer guy, but again, there's not even there's a couple of there's the chef guy. Mm -hmm. What does like what does what does Childs do? Oh yeah, because he looks we're, badass. We're introduced to the the kind of the punk. Not he's not even really punk. He's just kind of no. like a dirtbag. 
with, yeah. with a denim vest, and he's just like smoking pot. And like, yeah. like what's like what? And I'm actually looking, like, pausing the movie as I'm uh, rewatching it now. And like, yeah, I forgot there's like there's just giant st- stacks of uh, crates of Budweiser and stuff too. So this more seems like it doesn't seem so much like a scientific research station as it seems like just a place they push like society's just stashed a bunch of ne'er-do-wells were they just gonna have a sweet kegger over the weekend i guess so yeah uh yeah there's a black cook on roller skates there's uh keith david he's just black and just bald (laughs) that's kind of the extent of his character (laughs) uh and there's a couple other guys there's like a white guy there's Another, another white, white guy. guy. Another white guy. There's a couple balding white guys. There's a doctor <laughs> with a ring in his nose, and that's kind of the whole crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mac and the doctor, they fly out to see what's going on at the Norwegian station because they figure out that bodies are Norwegian. Yeah. It's not. It's not so good there. Everything's all burned it up and destroyed. And I guess they just. Uh, they, uh, this is actually kind of a clever little bit of, bit of filmmaking. Rather than build a whole new set for the uh, remains of the uh, Norwegian station, mm-hmm. they just the day after they blew up the American station for the climax of the film, they just came back and just had you know hmm. Kurt Russell and that guy just like you know just kicking through the remains of the set that they just spent the whole movie in. So you know. that is pretty smart. Oh, did you, how do you <laughs> the second of my three notes for the entire movie? How do you not point out? Kurt Russell's amazing sombrero that he's wearing as he's flying. I I don't I don't know. He's I'm he's sorry, got this that. giant fucking sombrero. He's actually wearing it as he's also going through the remains of the Norwegian camp too. It's just yeah. I just thought it was especially. I mean, as a pilot, I don't want to see why I need to. I needed my lucky flying sombrero, but anyway. But yeah. This, well, he, he doesn't he, want his hair to get too windy. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. If the wind caught his hair, he would just fly away like Mary, <laughs> like Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh god. But yeah. So I guess they're yeah they're at the Norwegian station. Uh, they so- don't see anything for a while, but the doctor does like find a bunch of records and stuff, and he decides to pocket them. Yeah. There's a bloody axe, and yeah. some dude slit his wrist to the extreme, and, and his, his blood is extreme. like frozen out of his wounds and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and that, uh, outside they find some super fucked up burning bodies or something. I, yeah. I guess, I, I guess, and then Mac asks to get a shovel, and then they bring the body back. I don't know. I thought he was gonna bury it, but I guess not. Yeah, and also the body that they bring back is like I can't tell if it's supposed to be smoldering from the fire, or if it's just like so cold. It's like like that's like crypto smoke yeah, coming off know. the body but it's all like acrid and weird and and what from what we see earlier just seems to be a couple of, like Amperu and uncle owen fried corpses are not is it's now turned into this giant like rob uh, botten plastic statue that they got from that they got from bigbadtoystore.com it's mm. this giant polystone statue of like two people fusing together or like one person being split in half and melting like a candle or and mm-hmm. everyone's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah, everybody's pretty chill about it, all things considered. Yeah, because this is obviously... This is something that's not just the product of, like, a body melting in extreme heat or something like that. This is, like... It looks like it looks like something from fucking Total Recall that they just found. And everyone's just like, huh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Especially they, with, they... like, the split face! Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, this is, like... This, I don't know. Yeah, they want an autopsy right away, and... It's it's a nice choice not showing a ton of this this body mess. Yeah, just Especially shots here tell. and there of its face and its hands and yeah. teeth. 
That's kind of the story of the thing is, like, obviously, like, Rob Botton and his team spent a bazillion hours on all the, on all the <clears throat> creature effects for this movie, but, you know, they only get shown for ten seconds, and you're usually halfway in shadow and stuff, which, you know, that's the way, the proper way to usually yeah. execute that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, <laughs> do, do, just the idea. We need you to do an autopsy. Where the fuck do you even begin? Yeah, <laughs> like, we have to find out if anything's cutting. weird with this body. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, the doctor's first response was, "I, you know what? First thing I think might be, <laughs> this thing was on fire and its head exploded. I think that might have been two contributing factors. Anyway, <laughs> shut up, Bill. They, uh, they take apart the thing as the dog watches. And everything seems to be totally normal on the inside. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and, uh, it's it's great because like the it's you know for most of these effects back in the day were all you know like foam rubber just slathered in KY jelly. But I don't know if they're using like real organs that uh, the doctor's pulling out. But there's like some nice gelatinous bits that almost seems like it's like made out of sushi. Flesh. Uh, they they wanted to use real organs, but somebody left them out and they stunk up the place, so they didn't. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. Because yeah. I knew they they they, they did, it, did that on Alien too. That was a thing where they just decided it was real organs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, in the rec room, the dog startles the balding beardo man, and tells Clark to put uh, the wolf dog with the other dogs where it belongs. So he does. And then he turns off the lights, and the new dog starts freaking the fuck out. And the other dogs do not approve of this at all. Because the dog goes in there, and none of the other dogs really kind of wake up or react to the new dog, which is already... I kind of... I wonder how the hell they train those dogs to do that. And then the main dog kind of sits down. It's really good dog acting. And just doesn't, like, really move. It's just kind of like... Yeah, but then as soon as the lights go out and Clark goes away, like, it starts, like, vibrating and, like... Exploding and shit. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking spraying it's... poor somebody sprays the poor dog with a super soaker full of goo. Yeah, well, it's kind of sad because okay, so the main dog, you know, the dog that the Norwegians were chasing that they've just put in this cage, its head splits open like a sunflower. There's like dog tongues and teeth and shit all over the place. Its back starts quivering, erupting, and all these tentacles start erupting out of it. And all the dogs are trying to get away. And there's one particular dog, is almost like the hero dog, is like trying to gnaw its way out of the cage, out of the chicken wire, which is really sad to see. And it's yeah. almost just about to get a big enough hole it could kind of jump out from when the fucking monster dog just starts, yeah, it's just squirting shit all over it. And the, mm. <laughs> I feel so bad because you can tell it's just a dog being squirted with by, by a stagehand. <laughs> and the dog's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not like scared and kind of like, oh my god, I'm going to die. It's just like, oh god, where's my treat? Where's my... Yeah. Yeah. Clark finally comes back to check the dogs after hearing this racket for five minutes. Yeah. And finds out they got all kinds of fucked up. Yeah, and like half of them are gone, half of them are eaten. It's all just kind of like a big mess, yeah. I know, I'm not sure why he opened the door before turning on the light to check on the dogs, but he does, and two of the dogs are like, Fuck this, I'm out of yeah. here. Oh, that's right, yeah. Do we ever see those dogs again? Yeah. Do we? Oh, okay. Um... Uh, and uh, Mac hears something, I'm not sure what, pulls the fire alarm, everybody comes running, Childs brings a flamethrower, and the poor doggos, they got a grossified. Yeah. I guess there was a thing where Rob Botton, he was the guy who did all, he was in charge of the creature effects for this movie. Yeah. And he's he's actually got a very distinct style. Uh, he's got this very fleshy, kind of like, he loves characters with like eyeballs popping out, he did 
all the creature effects for RoboCop and Total Recall. And mm-hmm. um, I guess one of the people who helped him out on this movie is uh, Stan Winston, who later became pretty much the the preeminent creature uh, guy from pretty much the late 80s all through the 90s until creature effects kind of died off. Uh, you know, he did all the creature effects for like the aliens and Terminator and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so I guess uh, Stan Winston actually one of his first big gigs was actually helping out with Rob Botton on this movie. I guess th- also I should also correct myself. I've been reading Rob Botton's name my entire life, so I just assumed it was Rob Botton. I guess it's pronounced Rob Botine, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, so yeah, there's a fucking super monster creature in the cage now. Yeah, and and everybody just kind of stares at it for a while. Yeah, there's a lot of just like, which to be fair, this is all some nasty shit. So everyone's just like, bah? this movie also does this one thing it does love is it'll take like weird little like Twizzler tentacles and like wrap them around something and pull them off and then rewind the footage uh. and sh- project it that way. So it looks like the tentacles are shooting out and wrapping it around the thing that, you know, you can tell what they're doing, but and it's still kind of gross. There's fucking nothing nastier than Twizzlers, man. That Fucking. Do they every, have licorice Twizzlers? Because that would be the combination of the two worst possible things. Every year, <clears throat> every year, my my work gives us a box full of you know, like goodies for Christmas rather than a Christmas bonus. Because fuck it, we'll just give them cookies yeah. and sausages. And there's always a fucking bag of Twizzlers in there, and it goes right in the garbage because they're friggin' disgusting. You guys get sausages? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with sausage, but that's just kind of like, hey, so here's some cut rate Swiss colony. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Says the guy who pays through the nose to get actual Swiss quality. He can get <laughs> the like, same sausage and cheese for a quarter of the it, amount at the Fred Myers ten blocks away from his yeah. house. Yeah. Shut up. I hate you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they they eventually see the gross shit everywhere, and they 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 light the the shit up fest on fire and prefer this 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 scene essentially happens eight times in this movie where yeah dudes run in the room are flabbergasted by what they see they light it on fire and the thing runs away yeah yeah and but now captain diabetes blair can uh <laughs> dissect the thing and quickly figures out that it can become exact copies of other things no this pussyfooting around that well i don't know what's going on it could be anything he's just like yeah. nah fuck a copy sells makes an exact duplicate and if we had left it alone in there it would have become exact duplicates of the dogs and, and it's kind of a leap in logic but you kind of have to make that leap just to keep the story moving like because there should be a little more vague as to what the hell's going on but there's more crazy creature effects work as 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 Blair does more autopsy stuff on this new dog monstrosity and yeah I guess he just he essentially just divines exactly what's happening like this is although you know way the the, the way the creature works in this movie they should not call it so it's not so much a creature as much as it's just like kind of a disease yeah because a creature suggests that it's just one entity trying to take over individual entities and slowly working its way through the uh through the 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 population of the station when really it's just one it's it's not just one thing it's like something that can break it apart into a bunch of different pieces and all those different pieces can like i guess infect different people at different times mm-hmm. and well then that becomes the big worry is is blair starts talking about i don't know if it's this scene or later he starts talking about how if this thing ever gets out into the real world they could take over the entire world in just a couple ah, years i guess because it would just like infect the entire population and take everyone over and uh but yeah that 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 only works that's 
I mean, I could see this would this could come from all one organism, but in the way in how it functions, yeah, it would be more of a disease than just like a critter that's just eating people and and, and replacing them. But anyway, because mm. yeah, I this movie is very vague about how things work. Like when it takes people over, how long does it take to clone people? Because there's a whole thing where they run into. Like, it seems to, t to be a process that takes a while, but sometimes it seems to happen to people completely off-camera in just, like, two seconds. Um, yeah. do people know that they're being taken over? If they do, they don't warn anyone, because some people will walk out of a room and come back two minutes later and be taken over, and but they never put up a fight about it. It's just, the movie is very vague about its rules, and even in the commentary, uh... Uh, they talk about how, like, they, they, like I was hoping for some answers about exactly what's going on in the plot, like who is what and when and how. Mm. And really, John Carpenter doesn't have any more answers than than what you guys just from watching the movie for the first time. It's just, it's just supposed to be scary, but you're not really supposed to think about too hard about who is being changed in what way. It's there's no mystery to be solved here, essentially. So, anyway. Yeah, just the mystery of what he's using in the hair to get it to look like that. Who, uh, uh, Blair? Kurt Russell. Kurt, okay. Yeah, it's yes, good. Wilford Brimley. What is Wilford Brimley using in his hair to get it he to look so damn good? He doesn't bad hair. I mean, granted, he's going bald <laughs> so he can afford to splurge extra, because he, you know, he, it's going to go twice as far because he has so little hair, but, yeah. Any, anyway, they, uh, <laughs> while treating one of the dogs, uh, remaining dogs, he asked Clark how long he was alone with the dog, uh, the Which monster dog. Which is a good dog. question to ask, Yeah. And he says about an hour, and he starts getting suspicious and worried, sowing them seeds of doubt. It is sad because you later find out Clark is like one of the few people who stayed human the longest, even though yeah. he's one of, one of the first people who would have been really exposed. And that's exactly why Blair is asking him. But yeah. mm -hmm. they watch the VHS tape of the researcher, the Norwegian researchers. And they... I guess originally there was a bit where like. Later on, there's a deleted scene where you, the, Kurt Russell is watching more of these VHS tapes of mm -hmm. just footage of the Norwegian crew while he's just absent-mindedly blowing up a blow-up doll. Interesting. <laughs> which, I, which is great because I like. You, of course, there'd be blow-up dolls there. But that maybe not, of course, blow-up dolls, but there'd be something that people would be fucking up there. But <laughs> anyway. of course. But anyway, course. yeah, everyone's just like watching all the all the tapes that the doctor uh, grabbed from the, the Norwegian camp while they were while he and Kurt Russell were up there exploring. Yeah. yeah. Um, they they see them find some shit under the ice and blow it up, and it's a spaceship. They think it's just flat out a fucking spaceship. Yeah, it's just yeah. a big circular thing. Yeah. Max sees a location on the map that they grabbed from the base and and where it is and head they head out that way to take a look and they find a huge map painting of a spacecraft yeah it's not even it is literally just a glass map painting it's not even <laughs> whoa it's yeah whoa. it's whoa. yeah yep and after they see... sorry no go ahead <laughs> they do one nice thing with the map painting i've never seen in an old school map painting before where they obviously like painted two different versions of the map painting and mm -hmm. kind of crossfaded between the two to create the impression of like clouds and sunlight passing over the spaceship, mm. which I've never seen anyone do before. Because usually, you know, map painting's pretty static, and if they're gonna try to add any life to a map painting, they'll just like put in some like little birds like flying through the horizon, or like maybe little blue screen, a couple people walking through the background. But yeah, yeah. just like crossfading kind of. Well, I mean, they do that in cartoons all the time. 
where they'll yeah. crossfade between two different background paintings just to create some kind of lighting effect. But yeah, I've never seen that with a matte painting in a movie before. But it's matte painting as fuck. Like, perspective's all fucked up. You can see all the... Ch like, you can see, like, the texture of the chalk or whatever the fuck they used to paint with. But yeah, yeah. anyway. But yeah, they find it's a spaceship and they're like, oh shit, it's a spaceship. Yep, and after seeing the horrible monstrosity they've seen, they said, let's go inside it. Yeah. Oh, did they go inside Re the spaceship? No, or rappel down to it, not go inside Oh, okay, it. yeah. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they're, so they're climbing around up on top of it, and they're all just like, what's going on? And this probably... is another scene where Rucker also got his fucking sombrero on, which I don't know why that cracks me up so much. Probably been down there for 100,000 years. How, why that's, I, this is the closest thing to science anyone really does in the movie, aside from, uh, uh, genetic asteroids the one guy just he doesn't take us a, a, a fucking snow test or anything like that he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and says oh this ice must be at least a hundred thousand years old it yeah. must have been there for that long and so they also like, find oh, a shit. hole in the shape of the block of ice because there was a block of ice that had a oh yeah at the norwegian camp that the thing came out of yeah which i guess if you want to go back and watch the thing from like 2011 Mm -hmm. uh, even though it's called The Thing, and a lot of people say it's a remake of this, is I guess it's supposed to also act as a prequel to this movie, where it shows what happened at the Norwegian camp. Which yeah. is funny, because I know that movie stars like Mary Elizabeth Winstead and a whole bunch of not-Norwegian people, so I wonder how they explain away why all these American stars are at this Norwegian uh, fucking uh, Antarctic camp in 1982. But anyway, but yeah. And, um... So... They, they come go back, back to their yeah. They come back and Childs cannot believe this voodoo bullshit. <laughs> Which that's that's a Keith David line if there ever and, was one. <laughs> and everybody's been real judgy about this whole alien thing, even though they've seen the monster with their own eyes and watched it like turn into a bubbly mass of dog. Yeah, uh, they've they've and between that they just found a spaceship, like just a yeah. flat out a fucking spaceship. Like, yeah. it's not like they could even wonder, like, is this some kind of escaped government experiment or something like that? No, it's a fucking... It's... Yeah, but... It's... Also, stop throwing your nasty-ass used drawers in the kitchen. That's... That, that gets brought up again later, but there's no conclusion as to what's going on there? No, it's um, just that, it's just how they can figure out that clothes get destroyed when the thing takes somebody over. Exactly. Kurt Russell mentions that later, but that never really becomes a plot point or, like, any kind yeah, of evidence does. for anyone... It doesn't become evidence, but it becomes a plot point. Well, it does, yeah, kind of, when someone tries to use it against Mac. But even then, you don't yeah. find out who did it exactly or what's going on. It's just kind of like, just well, random the, shit I, happening. I, it's it's intentionally left vague, Bill. Yeah, but that's why this movie's kind of like, uh, not are fulfilling, because it's just kind of vague. Are you one of those people that has to have every single plot point answered in before the movie finishes or you don't feel I would like I satisfied. don't need that but I would like to think that the creators had s at least something in mind and that was kind of the disappointing thing in the commentary just finding out like John Carpenter's like I don't know why we put that in there we just thought that would be kind of confusing to the audience so we just put it in there well, I'm like fuck you and there's, I mean I, <laughs> this doesn't have to be like a J.J. Abrams mystery box that needs to have a solution I'm not like that worried about it but Ooh. like I, I, thought, I was hoping there would be a little more thought put into oh, like oh, what just what's happening in the movie than there is oh sweet it's child really, yeah there are so many youtube videos you can watch where people that's have broken down exactly all this stuff and, and lined it up with i think that's part of whatever. the thing is knowing that there's entire like youtube industry of people out there not even youtube even before youtube they're always like you know blogs and shit about people trying to like figure out exactly what was going on in the thing and so i was like oh there must be really pro a really thought-provoking mystery in that movie and then watching it and just going nope 
just <laughs> deluding themselves. <laughs> like I said, again, it's not bad. The, the thing is fine. But yeah, just the like the fans surrounding it have kind of blown it up out of proportion to something that I don't think it really is mm. capable of, of, of propping up by itself. But yeah. anyway, yeah, dirty underwear, dirty drawers. I love it when people call them drawers. Mm. You drop your drawers when you go to the turlet. Mm-hmm. And that's like the end of that scene, and the movie just fades. And, like there's a shot of Wilfred Brimley, and it just fades out very slowly. Well, Childs <laughs> is like, "Hey Blair, you buy any of this?" And he just stares at him like, "Are you, you dumb motherfucker? Have you not been witnessing the same shit I've been looking at? What the hell?" Yeah, are you well, how about? is there even an argument about this? Like this but shit's going on, man. Lucky for them, they have an Atari game that exactly describes the situation <laughs> they're in. Is this supposed to actually be helping the audience understand what's going on? Watching a, a game of asteroids that goes on for five fucking minutes? This goes on for a while. Yeah, there's like a red triangle that says cell intruder. There's a bunch of blue blobs that say cell dog. <laughs> and they just kind of bump around for five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. And it's just like, okay. I guess they needed... I, I guess they did think that... I mean, I, I can't really throw too many rocks at a filmmaker for trying to over-explain what the basic dynamic of the monster is in this movie, but... Well, because if, just... they, if they didn't try, you'd be complaining that they didn't even try to explain it. Yeah, that's a good point, but... Do you ever see National Lampoon's Vacation? No. Oh, that's right, you're right, you have Chevy Chase issues. There's a bit at the beginning of that movie where they try to plot there. Um, the... The, the route they're going to take throughout the, during their trip across America on a quote-unquote computer that is obviously just an Atari 2600. This is a thing that was going on a lot in the early to mid-80s where people would be like, I'm going to type on a computer. And then it's really just some stagehand off, off like, just right, like, off-camera with an Atari joystick manipulating whatever is on their TV because it's obviously just an Atari. It's not an actual computer. But, yeah. yeah. And, but the game even says that uh, the probability of one or more of the team members being infected by the intruder organism is 75%. Yeah. And if that shit reaches civilized area, the entire world population will be infected in 27,000 hours of first contact. Well, let me see how long. That is... Let's see. 27,000 hours is 160 weeks. So yeah, it's like three years. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's yeah. actually considering... I guess there's an incubation time and stuff like that. Being infected by the by the creature or disease thing is not instantaneous. It would take a while to envelop, like, a couple billion people, I guess. Well, I, mean, I, I and I also feel like after it enveloped, enough people could just start just doing it. It wouldn't need to be sneaky anymore. Yeah, that's a good point, too. You could just flat out start attacking people. Which, that would be a hell of a horror movie right there. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, isn't that basically Invasion of the Body Snatchers? <sighs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, that's why I was thinking about maybe doing that next. We'll see what happens, what my next project is going to be. But yeah. We see what happen. Uh, elsewhere, happen? Mac is looking at those nasty-ass drawers they were throwing in the kitchen. And Contemplating while drinking more Jim Beam or whatever the hell that JB bottle is. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody tells him he has to get his stuff out of the storeroom because they're locking up the the remains, the gooey remains in there. Yeah. They make and a good point that like this stuff could win a Nobel Prize. You're not just going to burn all this evidence. You want to keep it around to show someone someday. Yeah. But you can't blame them for that because they did. They have found an alien, so you do want to show off the alien, even though it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, I guess Mac lives in the storage shed too. That's why he's yeah, getting his stuff well, out. Is that is that okay? Whatever. Yeah, or that's just where he hangs out because he's such a loner. Yeah. 
But Fuchs needs a toxin, fixes whatever the fuck the guy's name is, however you say it. Fred Fox. Fred Fox. It's important, and he won't do it in front of other people. And, um... Inside the storeroom, the radio guy pulls back the covers to look at the two-faced monster. It says they should just burn these things. And the redhead... Oh, that's what guy, he says, yeah. Says they can't burn them. That was the find of the century. And there's a good subtle movement of the blanket in the foreground once he covers it back up. Yeah, it starts, like, bleeding spooky. very intentionally. Like, yeah. you know, it's not fully dead. Yeah, he leaves yeah. the redhead guy alone because he wants to grab a couple things before they lock up. And fuck that, I wouldn't be alone with those bodies. Even if somebody told me, no, they're dead as fuck, I'd be like, no, no, I'll come with you. Okay, I'll come with you. Yeah, you you think at this point somebody, especially if you've got Blair screaming about how this thing can take over uh, other living cells, you would start worrying about contamination. You would not let someone alone the remains of that thing. Like, you yeah. think there would be some kind of basic quarantine of, like, like, yeah, just, yeah, don't let people alone on an extended basis with this stuff. But yeah, that doesn't happen, so of course shit spins It starts to melt goo all over the place, and somebody's gonna have to clean up that mess. Yeah. And then Mac and Fooch sit in the snow machine, and he tells Mac that Blair locked himself in his room, and he won't answer to anyone, and he found some notes that he was writing, and tell, reads them to Mac, and it basically saying, those cells in that body ain't dead, that shit's shit, still alive, it's fucking Which crazy, again, yo. Blair could have pointed that out to the people before they decided to go hang out with the dead corpse for a while. Yeah, like, yeah. this is where, like, plot-wise, I'm like, what? Like, how much time has passed? Like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. And then Windows comes back into the storeroom and finds that somebody broke a, a red jam jar all over the place. <laughs> this spilled is, it. Yeah. Spilled it straight up everywhere. It, it looks about as scary as breakfast gone wrong can. It's not <laughs> creepy at all. Yeah. yeah but the, the creature's busy absorbing uh, the redhead guy in the corner. Yeah, who's and, just covered in jam. Yeah. yeah, covered in sticky, sticky jam. So he runs the fuck away because he's not getting that jam on his hands. That's just yeah. gonna make everything sticky. He just comes out screaming, sticky, sticky, sticky. <laughs> and they're like, no? Oh? Mm-hmm. Don't get that on the doorknob because you, yeah. oh, you don't want no jam on the doorknob. Jam it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Man, Max especially it. when you get, like, like sticky stuff between your fingers and they kind of clack mm, together and it's all kind of like, yeah. Ah. yeah. And if it's something that you don't want to lick off and then you're stuck having to find a place to wash it. You know, I'm a, I'm a cartoon fat man because my first thing is, like, <laughs> so sad because I can't, just can't eat this thing off of me. <laughs> you try, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 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 motor oil. <laughs> I guess today's the day I find out if motor oil can kill you. I'm too lazy to go to the sink. It's kind of yeah. like chocolate syrup, isn't it? <laughs> it's oil. It's made from dinosaurs. It can't be that bad. It's all yeah. natural, right? Oh, you yeah. can eat bone, right? And that's <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and now, these messages. One hundred thousand years ago, it found its way into our galaxy. frozen wasteland of Antarctica. It could not escape. Now the men of Station 4 have made a monumental discovery. An alien creature had frozen, but not to death.
best place to hide. So they go back. Don't they find out that like the dude's now missing? But then he's like also well, running out. Windows runs up to the uh, Mac and Funch as they come back inside and say, "Hey, shit, shit got bedding." So they run back in, but it's gone, and the window's broken. So it went out the window. They follow it outside. But now he's like, despite off. this guy having been just covered in strawberry jam and naked ten seconds ago, now he's dry and fully dressed. But now he's got fucking lobster claw hands. Yeah, but he doesn't have a smile, so he's not fully dressed. I can't. Kurt Russell shouts that out loud. It's the funniest line <laughs> of the whole movie. Even everyone else is kind of laughing in spite of themselves <laughs> in the situation. They're like, okay, that was pretty good. Everybody surrounds it. It's not fully changed yet. It's got all f- jacked up hands. Yeah, there's a moment where they're like, yeah, they're they're surrounding the guy in a circle, which I don't know it's, if it's meant to kind of like echo the image of everyone standing in a, uh, in a circle around the spaceship in the Norwegian video footage, but it's a little yeah, bit like no. that. I thought that was kind of, like, nicely spooky. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But, fucking Mac just kicks over a gallon of gasoline mm. that spills yeah, on a gallon, dude. a gallon. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what's in those big 55-gallon drums, a gallon. <laughs> I think, you know, how do you know it's filled with 55 gallons? Could just be one gallon of gasoline in a 55 gallon drum. <laughs> it's true, I guess. But, yeah. But I guess they do, do, do just do just have giant 55 gallon drum. I guess this place was designed by the same team who designed Goldeneye, because yeah, there's just gallons of gasoline all over the place randomly that yeah. Chris Russell can kick over and use to douse this guy and just light him on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then old Gary Eyebrows is confused as what's going on. For this and... guy who's supposed to be the captain and the leader of this place, like it's Did comical you... that he's supposed to be. I don't know. Did you notice between him and Kurt Russell, they really pancaked the makeups on these motherfuckers? Yeah, that's 80s. Makeup didn't get better until, like... Well, there's always... Still even Man, you watched, like, fucking Star Trek The Motion Picture in HD, and fucking Spock looks like a drag queen. He's got... <laughs> I mean, granted, those are... That's, like, that's an older guy, so I guess they're trying to, like, youth him up a little bit, but, like, spackling over the, cr- the cracks in his face... Yeah. But Jesus Christ, like the, his eyeshadow and everything is ridiculous, and like like the the, the rouge they've got on his cheeks. Oh so hey, Bill, do do Vulcans wear eyeshadow or are they naturally? It's a good fucking question. <laughs> that, do they naturally what... have that? Do they wake up in the morning and be like, oh, it would be illogical to be seen without my eye makeup? I mean, there are some episodes of the original Star Trek where Spock is like wearing like he looks like fucking David Bowie, so it's hard to tell. I I mean, Kirk, is, like, Kirk is always like, Spock, are you wearing Spock? glitter on your eyeshadow? Do you need a puff? A little puff? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that Vulcans are supposed to be green-blooded, and kind of like the eyeshadow is some often very kind of green, so I don't know if they were kind of like playing into like, oh, that's his, instead of like red-colored makeup, he'd be wearing green-colored makeup. But then I'm like, why are you trying to pay it to like highlight the fact that he's wearing makeup at all? It's, yeah, Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. Why would you put rouge on him then? If he's yeah, supposed to have, it should be green splotches on his face, not red. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, Mac tells him that he that uh, the redhead guy was one of those things, and if they had given it more time, it would have looked and sounded exactly like him. Instead of saying roaring at yeah. him. Well, this is another mm. case of a guy being infected and being half transformed in just like two seconds too, as yeah. opposed to the dog thing, which seems to take a while. But yeah. So they got a burn. Well, the, it was trying to take over like eight dogs. All uh, that's once. actually a good point too. Yeah. Okay. Instead of one person. So they gotta burn the rest of them, and it goes and finds a flamethrower. And I like, I appreciate the movie not having that one per character in the movie that's like, "Oh no, you can't, you can't burn this. It's a horribly dangerous thing. It's scientific discovery." Yeah, like everybody's every just alien like, movie needs "Fuck one yeah, of those characters. Let's, let's burn them. Let's yeah. burn the fuck out of these things." Yeah, but uh, there's not much wanna... debate about anything in this movie. Everyone's just kind of like, like Matt Kurt Russell's the only one who actually does anything, and everyone else is kind of standing around going, "What?" Yeah. Except for Childs, yeah. who just like rationally hates Kurt Russell for no reason. Yeah, this this movie's nice in that it has human villains, but the human villains are always the creature. It's never there's not a human villain that's just a, a, a yeah. human. Because that's an overused trope where like people like the writers would be like, you know, sometimes the real villain is humanity. I'm like, yeah, that got tired fifty fucking years ago. Like, yeah, we, I like, guess that, the 2011 the has a character like that. That's like, oh no, there's science. <sighs> it's like, yeah, we all, yeah, that's an ancient trope. It's okay. You're not blowing our mind with that idea anymore. Yeah, yeah. but uh, they could they burn all the bodies and but they can't. Blair's not there. They don't know where he is. He's very suspicious. So, um. Yeah, Blair disappears for like a big chunk in the mid middle third of this movie. Well, Max, he's which I guess that's running, what's happening right now. Running away from the helicopter with an axe and goes and checks it out, and the helicopter got all smashed, it's trashed, it. Yeah, the controls are all fucked up and yeah. spaghettied. And as he's looking at it, he hears a gunshot and goes to investigate. And it's Blair's freaking to just the fuck out. He's smashing the shit out of the radio room, screaming about it. they came from cocoons and. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg and I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna live forever. I can't. What the hell? They used to show that a commercial on HBO all the fucking time. Was him ta- talking to his grandson, talking about we're all gonna live together. We're never gonna die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll never grow old. We'll never grow up. We'll never surrender. We'll never die. We'll kill them all. That's what I think. That's what he's he just said. literally reading off a list of like fucking <laughs> trailer yeah, things people have said in, in movie trailers about that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny, too, because someone pointed out earlier this year, I think that Tom Cruise right now uh, is the same age that Wilford Brimley was in the original Cocoon, which cracks me up. Because, you know, mm. c- Wilford Brimley was a king Cocoon, but now... Cocoon! Cocoon! <laughs> but, you know, Tom Cruise is, like, throwing himself out of spaceships and stuff, you know, right now. For, yeah. You know, it's all them thetans he doesn't have. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Speaking of space aliens, yeah. Uh, I guess this is that one. The one little insight from the commentary is that they're talking about how they think this is actually not Wilford Brimley being infected. This is actually him, because uh, yeah. they do point out that like, uh, if if he was actually the thing now, he would not be destroying the one thing he could use to escape the camp with. Yeah. Uh, it makes more sense that he would be human, and he's trying to, like, he's the only one who really understands what's happening and what the stakes are, and so mm. he's making sure like. He's destroying all the communications equipment with an axe to make sure no one can radio out. He's trying to destroy all the vehicles so no one can escape because he understands that this. I mean, that's the whole point of the the, the computer scene what we saw before this. Where yeah. He's like looking at the estimations as to what, what what the damage can be if this thing gets out. But yeah. Yeah. He trashed the chopper and killed the rest of the dogs. 
and uh, he he takes the whole place. He just ruins everything with the power of diabetes. He just loses fucking. I'm kind of, that's the thing. Wilfred Brimley. This movie was made like almost forty years ago, and I'm surprised he didn't die of a heart attack while filming this scene because he's just smash. I mean, that's really him too. That's not like an obvious stunt double. That's him just smashing yeah. up all these uh, like fucking radio servers and shit with like a fucking axe and. Everyone's hiding, and he pulls out a gun. He's like, "I'm gonna kill you!" And he shoots at fucking Keith David, and, mm-hmm. and it it's takes a fucking, the, yeah. the whole place to take down one one Wilfred Brimley. That's the one thing to suggest that he's uh, uh, even Wilfred Brimley on his best day. I can't imagine it would take nine people to take him down unless he's infected by an alien symbiote from beyond the stars. But yeah. somehow, uh, yeah, it, it takes that, like, yeah, it, it, it takes, like, a busload of people to stop him. Yeah. Clark is understandably upset because Blair killed his dogs. And... Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. watching it now, and, like, the th- you see Clark's, like, looking into the pen, and, like, there's just a dog with an axe in its neck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't approve of all this dog murder in this no, movie. No, dogs are good. I dogs got bit good. in the butt by a dog, and even I'll agree. Mm-hmm. Well, you had it coming. You got that this sweet rump true. meat. <laughs> I was wagging my ass saying, it's like I'm not wearing anything at all. It's mm-hmm. like I'm wearing not anything at all. And then you winked, and you said, the best meat is in the rump. An old tinkle came in my eye, and that dog just lost it. said, yeah. I may be not be a sentient <laughs> creature, but fuck it, you're still going down, fat man. <laughs> so then, oh. um, they lock, uh, Blair in the tool shed, and Mac and Blair are alone before everybody leaves them, and Blair says he doesn't know who to trust, and he tells Mac to watch Clark, and watch him close, and Mac goes outside and talks to the others, they're worried about one of them might be who just behold an alien pretending to be them, so the doc says they could maybe do a blood test, but ah shit, their blood is all fuckered up. Yeah, but the lock they need, wasn't they damaged. need pre-infected, res- yeah, uh, control samples to yeah. judge against. But the lock wasn't damaged, and then everybody starts arguing about who had the key and who might have been able to use it. And all this really argue- kicks off like the whole last half of the film, which is like when the paranoia and everything really starts. When yeah. when everyone else finally understands what why Blair kind of lost his mind. Yeah. Um, and- yeah. While they while they argue, uh, Windows runs and grabs a shotgun from the shotgun rack, and everybody's freaking out. There's a lot of of weaponry at a research station in, Again, in the Again, there's more beer and guns than anything else in this place. There's no like scientific equipment except for Chess Wizard and and DNA Atari and yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's like three beakers you see in the in the hospital bay later, and that's it. Yeah, Gary thinks he shouldn't be in charge anymore. Uh, oh, well, Gary's they, eye, they get, they, eyebrows. Yeah, they get they get uh, Windows to put the shotgun down, and yeah. Gary thinks he shouldn't be in charge anymore and puts his gun down. Um, he tries to make the dude who we've seen in all the movie clips that is the thing in charge. <laughs> kind of, like, he's kind of looks like the Weasley mom. He's kind of the slightly effeminate chubby guy. Yeah. Yeah, he says he's not up to it. And, Childs is like, fuck yeah, I'll do it, and <laughs> no one wants <laughs> that, that shit. Everyone's like, no, Childs, calm down. You're too Keith David for that. <laughs> Max says, maybe somebody with a little bit less of a temper. Yeah. So, uh, they, they burn all the blood. Okay. And, uh. Um, yeah, it's a scene that just almost feels like filler, because it's like, they make a big production out of the fact that they're, uh, they're uh, uh, burning the blood. Although, I, I think fucking Kurt Russell does give a speech about how we need to 
Like, we all have to be careful and watch each other's backs well, uh, and stuff He says like that. he knows he's human, and he knows some of them are still humans, too, or else Data yeah. turned and killed him by now. And... So he's trying to do... He's trying to, like, pump... it Not to pump everyone up, but he's trying to be as... as kind of, like, understanding as possible and trying to, like, yeah, make everyone... not Maybe not feel better, but he's trying to be a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And he does... And the next thing he does is what all leaders do is... Mess around with a stranger's dirty drawers while talking to a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah, that he's gonna hide later. Yeah. It's been yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. Come on. It's been snowing 48 hours, and he thinks that the thing shreds to close when it gets to you, and nobody trusts anybody now, and everybody's very tired. Yeah. Everybody's... There's this little bit where he talks about how no one can trust each other, but then he stops it, rewinds it, and tapes over that. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of nice. Because he's taping this. He starts off with the thing saying, hey, I'm going to make this tape and hide it when I'm done. So hopefully there's, like, if none of us make us make it out of this place alive, there'll be some kind of record about what happened. Yeah. Everybody's on edge. And they should probably start staying in large groups. I, why at this point, the, the, they, it's not just like, okay, everyone, we're all going to stay in the rock hall. No one gets, no, yeah, like, even if you have to take a shit, someone's got to be, like, holding your hand while you're doing it or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, you gotta, you gotta circle the wagons, but no one thinks of that, so the rest yeah. of the movie happens. Yep, so, uh, the power goes out, and Fix lights a candle, and has something spooky run past him. Oh, yeah, he this, goes uh, this eyeglass a, scientist guy who barely did anything up until the movie. Yeah, until he now. goes outside with a flare and finds Max's torn up jacket. And, and then nobody can find him, so they go search for him. And they stop by to see Blair, and he says he wants to come back inside now. He's all cool now. He's been he's been practicing making hangman knots. Oh yeah, is that cool. the thing where yeah, he's got the noose hanging in front of him while he's saying this? Yeah. yeah. He won't kill nobody. He just wants to come back inside. And they're like, well, maybe later. Just think about it. And then they find a charred body, body, and they figure it's functions by the glasses. Maybe he burned himself. Maybe the yeah, and that, I don't know. that's inconclusive when that, nothing ever comes from that. Yeah, just another body. So yeah. They go to they go uh, to check out Mac's shack because when they left it yesterday, he turned the light off, and now it's back on. And so, do they? Oh, and there's a thing they go to investigate, but I don't think we ever see what happens at Mac's shack because no. Then it's Mac and... Well, af after being out there for 45 minutes, they start to lock up everybody inside. And uh, the cook, uh, who yeah, hasn't been a big factor guy. up to now, comes back in saying he cut the line when they were headed out because he found the tattered jacket that, uh, and Mac is one of them now. Yeah. So if and... you take it, like, you, like the movie seems to like insinuate, like, okay, like yeah, a fucking... Kurt Russell's on the up and up. He's never been changed. So somebody has, is aside from just you know attacking people and transforming them against their will, someone now is running a political game where they're leaving. They're trying to like set up Mac to uh, to for for everyone else to turn on him. Or the Which is weird because at the it. same time, like the fat guy, uh, the Weasley mom, he's having stomach pains while this is all happening. So this like again, there's not just one thing because he he was not in a position to like do that to Max, so I guess there's another th thing out there at the same time. I don't know, but... Yeah, there there is. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. Like, yeah. It's not like Clue where there's an answer that makes sense. It's just random shit's happening. No, it's it's the, the chubby guy and the um, the the guy who's always got his earbuds in with the curly hair. They're both things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, well, there's multiple things. So they could be acting yeah. independent of each other, too. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's the dirtbag guy who we find out in just a bit is going to be also the thing, too. But yeah. yeah. So uh, they don't let uh, Mac in, cause, but he breaks the window in the storeroom and enters that way because all the, the windows are made out of the thinnest <laughs> glass. Candy glass. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and child you think burst... there'd be wire mesh and stuff on the windows just to keep, like, fucking, like, snow and winds from blowing them in, but, like, yeah. Yeah. A child's busts down the door with an axe, but Max has dynamite and a flare and says he'll blow them all up if they come near him. Or use Mac a looks super cool. Kurt Russell, he's all, like, frosted. He's sugar-frosted Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. And he does look like a ghost. It looks great, because <sighs> he's just lit by the flare in his my hands. favorite he's cereal. This... Yeah, it's, you know... It's sugar frosted Kurt Russell. It tastes like JB whiskey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and he's just saying like if anyone fucks with me, I'm gonna blow up this whole goddamn place and Yeah, yeah. but they make him he makes them put down their flamethrowers and he gets jumped by uh two other guys, but he fights them off and one of them lands. The chubby guy lands awkwardly on the shelf and isn't isn't breathing. So Mac tells him to get the doctor and bring him in there. It's so great because take- like yeah, the doctor starts doing his business of, like, trying to examine the fat guy. Well, Max in the corner, he's trying to hold on to the dynamite and trying to hold the flamethrower at the same time, but he can't hold either very well. Yeah. So he's just, it's just he's terrible at this. And while so, all this is going on, Clark is eyeing the doctor's suite of medical tools, and he pockets the uh, scalpel that's there. Yeah. So, that, yeah, they, t- they took Vance, I guess his name is Vance, to the operating room. Start doing chest compressions on him. Yeah. That's when Clark grabs, grabs the scalpel. 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 Uh-huh. Uh, but he doesn't get a chance to use it, because when the doctor uses the defibrillator on Vance, the chest opens up and his arms get bit just right off with a cart- with a cartoon splort sound effect. That it you, is, yeah. You would, you, you've heard a thousand times on 80s cartoons. There's something else that happens in the movie where I don't know if it's an explosion or something like that, but you can tell it's just someone like using the same kind of like canned like Looney Tunes sound effect, just hitting the same button over and over again, where it's like kaboom, kaboom, like or maybe it's gunshots or something like that. Mm. But yeah, there's there like up until like 1989, everyone was using the same half dozen sound effects for like gunshots, explosions, and like wet things falling. That, yeah. like, appear in every goddamn movie, and that's what happens here, too. But, yeah, this is also one of those things where I kind of regret the fact that I've ever seen anything about this movie before. Because I, if I had gone into this movie completely cold, this would have been mm. an amazing scene. Uh, just just for the doctor getting his arms bit off by the dude's stomach mouth. Yeah. And the fervor of which the dude's body starts vibrating after he chews the dude's doctor's arms off. And then, like, just, just an eruption of garbage out of his chest. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then there's just the giant spider thing with his face clinging to the air and conditioning ducts above. Everybody nopes the fuck out of that room. Yeah, justifiably so. Everyone clears out so quickly that Mac, Mac tonight is able to just like yeah, he just <laughs> he just picks up a flamethrower without even thinking about it, and just like lights the whole fucking place up. Yeah. Yeah. But then although the head- that doesn't keep. Uh, yeah, they, they, like even though he like, he fucking sets the thing on fire, its its head pops off and mm-hmm. slowly sloughs down the side of the table, which has a big groove in it, which is obviously how the the, the head is slowly sliding down the, the the side of the table. But then does the reverse uh, reverse motion thing where it like licks a tongue around the uh, fucking chair leg and starts pulling itself on the ground. 
and another guy's like, oh my god, what the fuck is that? And you gotta it's just be chaos. fucking kidding me. Is that the guy? You get spider was... legs and spider eyeballs come oh, out. Oh, that's of it right. And yeah. Can't away. Yeah, and it's it's great too because that's the thing where obviously it's like reversed. Like they reverse the footage of the spider legs coming out of the dude's head. Uh, I think it's the dude who turns out to be the thing in the next scene who's all like, who sees mm-hmm. the spider head walk out and he's all like. Oh, give me a fucking break, or this is ridiculous, or something. You gotta like be that. fucking kidding me. You gotta be fucking kidding me, which yeah. is, which is a little sad knowing now that that he's also been contaminated. So it's not an honest. He's just play acting, but still. Yeah, but um, Mac touches it, and it screams and dances the night away. It, it does. Little, it does a little. It's on fire. That's the thing so many fake alien or uh, spider-like critters do in movies like this because they're just like being pulled along by a rope or like on a track or something like that. And they're, they're the only way you can really create any motion is just to jiggle them so they do a little tap dancing thing. It always looks so fake, but it's charming at the same time. Yep. Oh. And then later, Mac has a plan. He's going to tie everybody up and do a test. And Clark is like, yeah, yeah, we should do that. We should do that test. Yeah. As he inches closer to it. And then Child says, he ain't tying him up. Nah, shit, no way. And then uh, Mac will have to kill him. Said, but when he sees Mac, isn't choking her out. He's like, yeah, you know, okay, you know what? All right. <laughs> yeah. But he says it in a far more badass Keith David kind of way. <laughs> yeah, the gravelly voice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Clark tries to stab Mac, uh, which I don't feel like, I mean, he would have done some damage, but. Yeah. It's just a scalpel. But Mac tonight just turns around and just blows his brains out in one yeah, shot. Yeah, shoots him in the middle. Such a just, sad ending for Clark. Just right in the center of the forehead. Yeah, at least he went out quickly. It's not like he just got shot in the shoulder and had to bleed out for hours on end. He just, yeah, yeah he's down and out. Yep, so he gets tied to a table with the doctor who died after losing his arms. Yeah. And um, even though they're both dead, uh, everybody gets tied up but uh, Windows. Max says that the th- he thinks the thing's blood is different, and when the blood is attacked, it'll lash out and attack back. So they're gonna take yeah, because it's from just everybody. pretending to be blood, but it's still gonna yeah. have a self-preservation instinct. Which Star Trek: Deep Space Nine totally ripped this off. Uh, mm. There's a thing in later seasons of Deep Space Nine where all the characters, uh, well, there's the evil changeling shapeshifters that end up uh, uh, sneaking into Star Trek society. Yeah. And so this is, ha- like, everyone has to do this test before there's any kind of major meeting or anything like that just to prove everyone can be human. Because it's the exactly the same train of thought is, is the idea because if someone is pretending to be the blood, like, even if that little bit of them is, is removed from their bodies, they're, 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 it'll still react with a self-preservation instinct if it's harmed or anything like that. So, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, Kurt Russell, he uh takes some wiring uh, uh he cuts the plastic uh housing off the wiring and heats it up with a flamethrower while everyone uh, cuts themselves and bleeds into little petri dishes which also happened to, <laughs> very handy for the audience happen to have their characters names written on them mm-hmm. yeah. and windows is okay so he gets a flamethrower yeah and the max blood is okay as well and then uh, the, the dead bodies are, are fine and dandy. They were human too, so oops. There's a nice moment where Childs is like, okay, well, then you did kill Clark. You're a murderer. And Max just like, man, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what you? He just tried. Hey, oh, I, at on. this point, like, yeah, there, there's bound to be some fucking innocent victims in this situation. Like, yeah, there's gonna be some collateral damage. Yep, then Palmer's is next, and Gary's like, oh, this is all nonsense. And Max says he figured he'd say that. That's why they'll do him last. And hey, guys, oh, Palmer's blood freaks the fuck out. It is, 
I mean, there's a giant thing that leaps out of that blood. It's like this giant, like, gremlin-sized monstrosity that just erupts out of his hand. Yep, yeah, and then great. Palmer starts uh, shaking and a shimming and bleeding from his eyes and just generally being a terrible party guest. I do appreciate John Carpenter in the commentary going, well, this is one our, uh, of our less successful creatures in this movie. Especially because mm. it like there's no real transition. It's just that character, he's just vibrating in his chair. Yeah, it, it felt and like then it, there was a, 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 a missing scene where like it showed yeah. him trans going from looking normal to the eyes bleeding and stuff. Yeah, because it just cuts to him, his head is like turning into a balloon and blood's pouring out of his eyeballs. And then it cuts to an inverse version of that where his head is almost like literally like a balloon and it's just geysers of blood pouring out of his head and he's almost unrecognizable. Like for a moment, like even while I was watching, I was like, wait, is that supposed to be the same? You're like, oh yeah, he's got the denim vest. Yeah. So I guess he's still the same dirtbag. But yeah, it's just a very abrupt and- jump from him being normal to being monster. The other dudes on the couch are rightfully freaking the fuck out. <laughs> this is this this could have been in a Ghostbusters movie. I do love this because the other two guys are just justifiable. Like, get, holy fuck, get us away! Just like, holy shit, fucking cut us loose, cut us loose, and yeah, yeah. While fucking, uh, I guess the dude, the dirtbag, he's had now has the power to fly. I guess, <laughs> well, and so Mac- it's like lifting up the end of the couch, and the guys are screaming even more, and he's fl- like. So they decide to cut him loose, and he's like fucking Mary Poppins, Peter Pan shit flyer. It's weird. Max Flamethrower decided it doesn't want to work, so he yells at Windows to do it, but Windows yeah. sucks and doesn't, and just gets his whole head bit a whole bunch, and then... When well, this head, the, thing. the thing's head splits open and it goes, and just eats Windows' head, but doesn't yeah. bite it off. He just like bites into Windows' head, and there's this like this 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 bit goes on for a while though, where like. It's uh, it's like kicking all the lights and stuff. Yeah, one guy is a mannequin. I think they switch back and forth between which which guy's a live guy and which guy's the mannequin. Where like, yeah, the monster is biting Windows' head and Windows is like kicking and screaming. But like, it's just <laughs> it looks kind of stupid. It's one of the things where in the movie, like, I get the, what they're trying to do, but like the execution for all the effects in this scene are off just a little bit. Mm. Uh, but it's very comical. But like, yeah, Windows is fucked. The, oh, this is isn't this the scene where like. Uh, as soon as the guy is finished, like, ch- like n- he never bites Windows' head off. He just gnaws on it, and then doesn't he run out through the, w- like, the well, fucking... Mac finally lights up his flamethrower as everybody's just hanging out on the couches, being all tied up with nowhere to go, and he lights it on fire, and it flails for a bit, and then it bursts through the wall and into the snow. Yeah, and that's Mac- the thing where it shows up the walls in this place are just made out of fucking plywood. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Mac throws some TNT at it and it <laughs> blows the fuck up. Instantly, too, because he just whips it and, uh, on the commentary. Kurt Russell's all like laughing about how he didn't expect the, the, the body to explode so quickly. Mm. And he's like, hey, look at my face. And you can totally tell I'm actually horrified. Like, I was just almost shit my pants. I was surprised how, like, I just threw the grenade and it just, like, exploded, like, literally the second it hit the ground. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, but then he goes back inside. Windows is still somehow alive, but he's like just groaning, and of course, everyone, the other two well, guys are on the couch, and they're like, "Yeah, so well, that's exactly what they're saying. They're like, they're screaming. He's coming back. He's coming back." And so Mac uh, picks up his flamethrower, which I guess is working now, or, or I guess maybe it's Windows's uh, flamethrower. But then he torches Windows with it. Yeah, yeah. And then and it's time to go on with the tests. You can also see the rods, <laughs> the puppeteering rods, in Windows' feet as he's being puppeteered while burning to death. But, mm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then uh, the, everybody else is safe. So, yeah. And, and so they untie everybody. And there's four people left. They're all human. And then... Uh, there's a great line from the captain guy who's like, well, if you guys don't mind, 
I'd like to not be fucking tied up the rest of this winter. Yeah. And then they just cut, like, slowly cross-dissolve away, like, fades to black, as this movie loves to do, and then, like, it's like, yeah. a little bit later. Later, just, Mac yeah. tells Childs, who's keeping watch out of the window, that they're gonna go test Blair, and if if uh, Blair comes back without them to burn him. Yeah. But, oh, this is all no. the rest of the movie, that's right, This the plot's pretty much over at this point. Yeah, the door yeah. is open and Blair isn't there. He, he opened up the floorboards to get out that way, but he was nice enough to leave the front door open, so they knew he had gotten out. Yeah, and I guess he managed to, with his bare hands, not only managed to dig... Uh, this must be a pre-made tunnel or something like that, because there's this whole, like, fucking underground well, tunnel. Well, uh, he doesn't have to keep the same shape. He could have changed into something else to... But, like, he's got, like, his own digger. little work studio down there, and he's got, yeah. like, a Nintendo, mm-hmm. and he's got a little mini-fridge. Mm-hmm. But he's also, like, in, like, the like like the three days since the chopper has exploded, or mm-hmm. got damaged, he's managed to turn the chopper into a goddamn flying saucer. Yeah. Like, and I do love the captain guy's like, oh, this seems to be a ship of some kind. I'm, like, laughing at it. It looks like battery's not included like style yeah. like fucking round spaceship and especially like the only way Blair would fit into that if he was sitting right in the middle like he's like Dr. Wily escaping his, his skull <laughs> castle at the end of Mega Man 2 it's, which wrong. creates even a funnier picture uh Wilford Brimley's just yeah, Wilford Brimley is Dr. Wily just flying away yeah. um, but yeah so uh he was trying to go anywhere but there so uh, uh the door to the outside back on the main base is open now row, row, and yeah. then the heartbeat music kicks in with the dun dun I think Childs was dun. supposed to protect that door but now it's open yeah and uh yeah uh, oh that's right cause the cook guy he's he's like watching from his own vantage at the other part of the station he sees Childs you know Keith David is for some reason like he runs away yeah into the and dark then, and they're like what the fuck is going on and then the power gets turned off, and the emergency power comes back on, and yeah. it wants to freeze them out, because it'll be like, uh, minus 60 or whatever. Yeah. Well, and that's or when more. Kurt Russell gives a big speech about how he realizes that the thing's gambit is no longer just to escape, but he's just trying to, like, freeze everyone out, because yeah. he just knows that the vet- inevitably there's going to be a rescue party, and he's going to have better luck trying to escape with those guys than these guys, obviously. Yep. So. Which, so, actually, uh, with Blair having destroyed... Blair kind of, like, saved the world then, because Blair's the one who destroyed all the communications and stuff, or at least temporarily, yeah. uh, and he destroyed all the vehicles, so he kind of forced this gambit upon the thing, so actually he's the he's the Mega Man hero of this story. <laughs> yes, so Max says, whether they make it or not, they're gonna warm things up. They aren't making it out of there alive, and neither is that thing. So they start blowing up a shitty ship with some TNT. Yeah. They crashed the snow car, car thing into the building, which I thought they said didn't work anymore, but whatever. Yeah, and I know. They just start, didn't have any brakes. Yeah, then they just start blowing everything up and, and literally just yeah, throwing Molotov cocktails in every room and chucking dynamite here and there. And, yeah. Kaboom, kablamo, the base explodes. And then Mac lights a flare and they head into the gener- generator room, but the generator's gone. It's just straight up gone. Yeah. And then. Mac uh, decides they need to take the whole, put the whole base into the ice, and uh, being the, br- the big brain planner that he is, he has them split up and put their TNT here and there. Don't split up, Mac. That's how you. That's how shit gets fucked up. Don't do Mac, that. Mac, you were such a hero up in this point. Now you're just turning into a goddamn fi- Friday the Thirteenth character. Yeah. Now let's split up so the monster can pick us off one by one. Ex- and that's exactly what happens. Because then Captain Eyebrows. 
he goes off to do so like oh yeah mac is like okay you guy go over here do this yeah you guy cook guy you go over here and do that and so captain mm -hmm. eyebrows he goes into do he goes to like like put explosives on something and he's like the, his flashlight goes it's like perfect horror movie thing where he's like l walking down a hallway his flashlight goes out it gets super dark like lights come back on or something or he turns around or something like that and suddenly fucking Wolfer Brimley moving faster than he's ever moved fast in his entire <laughs> life whips around the corner is like right there confronts Captain Eyebrows and then sticks his fingers in his face yeah as if the guy was made made out of Looney Tunes flesh like mm -hmm. not like bloody not like punctures his face but like somehow like melts into his face kinda and the guy's like <laughs> and like Wilford Brimley's like I do love his murder face where he's like kinda half strangling half mutating this guy's face and like doing it all kinda coldly and fucked up and yeah it's ridiculous yep. and uh I think uh Childs or not Childs Nalls yeah he's it. the cook guy he's pretty much the only not he's he's the third and, guy and rather than alive. say something to uh to Mac, he decides to go look into it all by himself. Yeah, and, and we never see him again. Nope. He uh, disappears. I guess the money ran out of uh, the, the the production ran out of money, and as they were winding down f uh, filming, they went to the the Universal head studio guy and was like, "Hey, we need like an extra ten thousand dollars because uh, we can't finish this puppet for this one character's death at the end of the movie." And, they, and the Universal studio is like, "Nope." And so that's why that character just disappears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Max no asks him how he's coming in there, and he gets no response, and he knows that jig is up. Oh, no. So he lights the TNT, but before he can throw it, the floorboards come flying up, and, uh, then... Land shark. Yeah, land shark, and manages to get rid of his explosive plunger, and it roars at him, and the creature comes out, it's a big tentacle, stop-motion tentacles. It is stop motion. It turns into Pee-wee's Big Adventure pretty hardcore there for a moment. And then the creature comes out, and it's it's half. It's got dog parts. It's got Wilford Brimley parts. It's it's a mess. Yeah. And it's it. He does a Mac does a dive roll and says, "Yeah, fuck you too." And that's the, a pretty good. Yeah. Hucks the TNT at it and exploding the whole place, but somehow surviving. Yeah. That's some Jack Burton luck right there. Seriously. Yeah. And then outside, among the burning wreckage, uh, Childs and Mac come face to face. Childs asks if he killed it. They talk a bit. Childs asks what they should do now. Mac says, why don't we wait here for a little while, see what happens. He hands Childs a drink. Childs shakes a swig. Mac chuckles. Heartbeat music. Burning wreckage. end. Dutting. So, Bill, was Childs or Mac a thing at the end? I obviously the, the the Mac is not the thing because he just blew unless he had daddy issues and blew up daddy thing. Or it was, like, the, I or was being now. super manipulative and making everybody think he's a human. Unless he was putting on a performance for Childs, yeah, who was not in the room, who couldn't have seen any of this. <laughs> you know, the movie is so inconclusive as to what Childs was up to for the whole last third of the movie that of course Childs could be the monster. I, I've always heard people talk about like, ooh, which one could be the monster at the end? I'm like, it's obviously not Kurt Russell. The better question yeah. is Childs the monster. But the, we 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 know nothing about what he was doing or like, there's no context for like. Like what he was up to, and of course, you're making a shitty oh, clickbait said, he, YouTube video. You can make an argument he, either way. He said but. he saw uh, Blair and was chasing him. Yeah, but well, I guess it's more I, interesting if they're both human. I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, because it's a little more of like, you know, like not that you're looking for a heroic end to this movie, but... I guess after people poking and prodding him for years and years and years, Carpenter did say, yeah, one of them's the thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, not that that matters much, you know, like... The but that could have just been him. To, yeah, that could have just been him thing. sick of people asking. and Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. And sure it's, it's not like it really changed the story if, if either of them are the thing anyway, because it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm like, and I guess like, I guess if you go back and look, like there's this lighting thing they do where everybody everybody that's human has the light reflection oh, in their eyes. Yeah, they do a little sparkle in the eye, yeah. Yeah, everybody who's infected doesn't have that. Which is actually funny, because I was comparing, I was joking about how that's like Ridley Scott and Blade Runner. And that's actually funny because I think this movie came out like the same day Blade Runner came out. And it's funny that like that would be a thing where you're distinguishing who's human and who's not by how the cinematographer filmed their eyes, which that's a big thing in Blade Runner, too. So it's funny to think that both movies that came out at exactly the same time had like a similar mechanic going on. Uh, I, you know what? I think I would <laughs> I would warm up to this movie <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if if I just watched it a whole bunch more. And I think of of course I would have dug this movie a lot more if I'd watched it the first time as a kid. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm curious to check out the other special features on this. But yeah, coming to this cold <laughs> uh, in 2018. It's yeah. you know it's not bad. I could see why people freak out about this movie, but at the same I, time, it's a little sl- it's more slight than I anticipated. I liked it. I like a, I like how it just it just starts. It just goes. There's not really any stupid characters aside from the end where who's. Wait, well, yeah, that's what I'm up. saying. Like I appreciate like this movie does not have much fluff or yeah. fat on its bones. I do appreciate it just gets down to brass tacks very quickly and it doesn't waste your time with too much bullshit. Yeah. But. And also, again, John Carpenter, like, I'm surprised he could make a movie that actually looks and sounds like a real movie, and that, that, that by itself, I'm kind of surprised by, because mm. almost everything I've ever seen that he's made felt like a fucking, like, fucking high school film project, but, um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised in some parts, kind of disappointed in other parts, but, yeah, that, that was well, the I thing. mean, you don't really come to the, the, the thing for deep plot, you come to it for body gore. Well, that's you don't and come to any John effects. Carpenter movie for deep for for the script or anything like that. But what about that, Ghost of Mars? Which one is Ghost of Mars? I don't know. Because there are like five <laughs> or Mars Escape from movies. L.A. There's the there's the Mars movie where fucking the Hudsucker proxy freezes. There's the Ghost movie where it's the Matrix is doing the thing. Oh my God! Yeah, the thing yeah. is okay. I like it's it. all right. This is, I'm, I'm glad I I think you and I liked it about as much equally, but mm. I think I'm just being a bitchier asshole just because I'm the bitchier asshole. And it's usually the other way around. Yeah, this is just me just being like. Oh, oh, oh. I think you had very high expectations for this movie. Yeah, and again, I think yeah, if if I had not known so much about the special effects, I would have been a little more like, oh my god. Oh. And, the, and the one special effects sequence I didn't know that much about was the worst special effects sequence with the dirt bag turning into a blood blood fountain spontaneously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and even then, yeah, looking up trivia of this movie, there's not much about it other than they just filmed, I guess, all the stuff that you see in the Arctic that doesn't actually directly involve the science station, where it's just like the helicopter and the dog was filmed in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And they filmed all the stuff with all the exteriors with the science station that was like in Vancouver, British Columbia, and then the, they filmed all the interiors 
on a bunch of Universal Soundstage stages, but because the movie was being filmed in the middle of summer in Los Angeles, of course they had to refrigerate, they had to air condition the shit out of sets so everyone could wear, you know, like five pounds of heavy clothing without, like, sweating to death, and... Yeah, there's not too much crazy <laughs> trivia about this movie. They just made a movie. Yeah. Yeah, no one saw it. And I guess the critics ravaged it, but it became this cult film classic, and... One of, yeah, definitely one of uh, John Carpenter's more beloved films. It's Kurt Russell. It's hard to go wrong with Kurt Russell in a thing. Probably. I'm no sure big trouble in Little China. That's it's the gold no, standard. It's, it's no the computer wore tennis shoes. That's true, too. Which, actually, if we ever do a month of, like, old things we haven't seen when we were kids, I would totally do that. Mm. I know it's not a good movie, but I think we've <laughs> talked about it enough times on the podcast now where we would be obligated to at least consider it. Oofa doofa. <sighs> Oofa doofa, indeed. Yeah, that was uh, the uh, thing. The thing. The thing. It's not really spooky. No, not yeah. That's that's the other thing. Not really. Again, yeah. If you were a kid, if you're watching this by yourself, or it was like already snowy outside, I could see it being yeah. kind of spooky. If you actually work in the art, in oh Antarctic. yeah. If you saw this too young, it'd, it'd fuck you up. Yeah, and the characters are kind of fun. They're not quite aliens quality characters mm -hmm. but they're still you know like all the character actors are well casted and stuff like they like the the the, the actors just by being kind of goofy character actors bring enough personality to themselves it's not like you have to worry about the script flushing them out too much or anything yeah so yeah they've got a paycheck yeah what yeah. do you so you're yeah so our second week of halloweenathon uh continues um, with your, your next good. pick Keep going with Universal Monsters and Yay! watch last year's release of The Mummy. Oh, shit. No, we're not going to do that. We're <laughs> <laughs> No, I would never do this. No. Hey, no, we're going to watch Dracula. Yeah, the first. It's probably going to be boring. It's slow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the first real... Uh, universal classic horror movie. Uh, like, discounting, like, I guess they did do a silent production of, uh, like, The Hunchback of Notre Dame and all the silent yeah. stuff that What's-His-Face's dad did, John La John Laney Jr. <laughs> John Leguizamo's dad. John Leguizamo's dad did all his movies. Lon, Lon Chaney. Yeah, I guess Lon Chaney did all the silent films, but everyone, yeah. really, when you're talking about the Universal Monsters, yeah, it's it's really Dracula set the formula and was the first big sound. I guess it was the first sound horror movie in general, not even for Universal, but... Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk like this next mm. month. Wait, not oh, next month, next week. Next week. Oh, I can't Next do week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> The Italian vampire. I am going to suck your blood. Yeah, I hope it tastes like a marijuana. Wait, not marijuana, marinara. God damn. I ran out of soda a while ago, so my blood sugar's... Oh, it's funny because I'm talking about blood because we're talking about Dracula. Yeah, that was the thing. Next time it's Dracula, he's muttering on Twitter. I'm deterred to... Oh... Did you see the? Did you just see the turd? Oh whoa! <laughs> the grumpy We're both turtle falling on apart here. Tardy, oh. I've been sick. I've been very sick. Yeah, you, uh, you put up a good performance for being having obviously had the head cold. You don't sound too much like this because you could have just sounded like my yeah. name Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Tardy podcast on Twitter. Tardy podcast Facebook. Tardy podcast .com, Tardy podcast all things shares around. Give us a like. We appreciate you listening to this garbage. 
It's fucking putrid garbage. It's sad. It's putrid garbage. It's poo-poo garbage. This yeah. movie is dirty drawers. <laughs> dirty Who drawers. left this? Who left this podcast out <laughs> the, my kitchen? Really up. So that so, was the thing and the mystery of the dirty drawers. I'll let you. You can be Kurt Russell and I'm mm-hmm. Keith David because I'm from yeah. Pittsburgh, like Keith David, because he was mm-hmm. on Mr. Rogers. Keith David did that one episode of Mr. Rogers where he cleans out the quarters from the Donkey Kong machine. Look it up mm-hmm. on YouTube, it's great. Uh, this is us, we're in the smoldering ruins of the podcast that we have just burned down and blowed up. Yep. Uh, we're drinking, we're just passing a bottle of J&B liquor around, and we're yeah. both gonna freeze to death. Yep. Yay, finally it's over. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> we're free, now we're we can free. die. Our spirits fly away, it's like the end of Mystery Science Theater, we just turn into little glowing orbs and just fly away. Yep. Okay. So that's that, I got nothing else, we got anything else. No, that's it. That's it. That, that's all she wrote. All right, let's burn this motherfucker down. Couldn't tell next time you feel your own spot. I'll you goodbye, everybody. I love you, Daniel. I love this <laughs> I'd love to stay up with you, but I recommend a little shot. I go to sleep and dream And you're recording. And yeah, unless you got something to talk about before the podcast, we could do a bit of Um. Do you know what you're doing next? Yeah, Dracula. Okay, and so Dracula, and then it'll be whatever I choose next, and then it'll be. Did you decide if you want to do Halloween? Not that you have to decide right now, but no, I, I haven't decided. I didn't know if you had looked at yeah. Look at those, yeah. Um. And. Hey, yeah, did I'm you still... decide if you were gonna do that? I... There. Video game or? I well, it turns out the video game comes out like two days before we would have to record, or have to re- have to post our episode at the end of the month. So mm-hmm. that's not gonna work out unless we both uh, blaze uh, that game in one evening and record the, the you know the episode. Well, the plus, doesn't day. it come out like the same day as Red Dead? Oh shit, that's right. And oh yeah, kinda, that's. It'd be kind of a bummer to not be playing Red Dead because we have to play this old ass Castlevania. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming out on Friday the 26th. What yeah. was it, 15 hours to beat that game? Something like that. If it was like one Eight of the maybe? NES games that took half an hour, that wouldn't be too much of an issue. But like, yeah, if it's going to be like... Yeah, if that's going to take a weekend to beat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, you cared so much about Red Dead Redolver. <laughs> Redolver. Revolver. <laughs> I care a lot about Red Dead Redolver. Yeah, did, yeah, I don't think we ever talked about that first one. I play. I. I. Did I hundred percent it? I can't remember. I think I hundred percent it. Oh Jesus Christ! Well, you, you tend to suck the marrow out of a lot of games, but I can't imagine one hundred percenting that game. Jesus Christ! No, I didn't get all the achievements because I didn't kill all the buffaloes because I don't want to kill all the buffaloes. Oh yeah. Is that one of those things where you had to kill like thirty thousand buffalo? Something like that, and then they were extinct and they <laughs> never show up in your game again. Did you one hundred percent? Did you uh, get the platinum for Spider-Man? No, I got. I got a little burnt out on it, so I'm taking a break and doing Hollow Knight. Yeah, I forgot. I can come back to that when the DLC comes out, too. But yeah, we can start pretty much however you like. Okay. Okay. Oh, potato, potato. Okay.